God has given you a specific type of people. He's called you to minister, to love, to care for his people. What do you want? Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful to be here this evening with you all. We celebrated my mother's 77th birthday on this past Tuesday. And my mama raised me to never show up in anybody's house empty handed. You always bring something. That's how my brother, my sister and I was raised. And I just want to be faithful to deliver to you what God delivered to me. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. You know, I thought about the fact driving over this evening that for every single person in this place, every single person tuning in online, Friday, March the 13th, 2020 changed everything for all of us. And here we are three years later. I lived in Washington, D.C. at the time with my wife and our sons, and we had to figure out what in the world was going on. Lots of questions, lots of uncertainty, lots of doubt, lots of fear, lots of anxiety, a lot of questions about what is this whole pandemic thing that happened. And I woke up this morning because Monday, March the 16th of 2020, my wife and I sat in our row home in Capitol Hill in D.C. and sitting there with tablets and laptops trying to figure out what this new normal temporarily would be. But I think three years later about the faithfulness and the goodness and the grace and the kindness of God. And in a sense, I'm not trying to associate anything with it beyond the fact that maybe God extended an invitation for a divine reset for all of us. And I can't get past that in my mind as I think about the ways that God continues to reveal himself, the ways that he continues to be faithful, the way that he continues to reveal truth through his word. And it's important for us to, I don't know about you, you know, as Pastor C. Elijah mentioned, you know, I was a decent basketball player back in my day, but honestly, I'm much more of a baseball guy. I played for 15 years. My wife and I got three sons. Two of them are playing travel baseball. Uh, one of them's playing travel baseball tonight. It's pretty much our lives, but it's a phenomenal sport. But more than anything, those things are all great. Those things are all amazing. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my mother. I honor the spirit of my father who's now with Jesus. I love my siblings. But it's something about just seeing God at work. It's something about just when something just sparks in your heart, in your life. And that's my prayer for tonight. All of us have things that we could be doing, but there's nothing more important than what we're doing right now. And so I just want to pray as we approach his word that the posture of our hearts would be one of humility and submission and acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord. That it would be that the things that tend to trouble us and cause worry would just exit out of our hearts and our minds. And we can just focus and say, God, speak to us. Deliver truth to our hearts. Help us to push beyond the distractions to boil down to the essence of what you're trying to say. So if you'll pray with me, I just want to go before God. God, I thank you for the sweetness that you've already allowed us to taste and see in your presence in this place. God, I don't want to rush past what you might be doing. I thank you for the fact that you stir our hearts 
that you stir our affections, that you have to remind us at times just how holy and awesome and righteous and majestic and magnificent you truly are. God, I ask that you would forgive us in our day to day and the normal routine and the going about and the hustle and bustle that sometimes we don't pause long enough to acknowledge you. And so, God, I thank you for this sacred moment. I thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. I thank you that you are the epitome of truth. You are truth, God. And I thank you for just invading us right now. God, I thank you for every single person. The fact that you know each and every one of us individually, all of our strengths and our weaknesses and our faults and our idiosyncrasies and the things that we stand in need of right now. God, you are faithful to meet us. And God, I thank you for the preciousness of your word on tonight. God, I thank you that you reveal yourself in new and marvelous and magnificent ways to us. And I just pray that you would cause us to just slow down, to just pause, to breathe you in, God. Father, we enter into your presence with praise and thanksgiving. But God, we enter into it with excitement and expectation. God, I thank you that every time that we get to enter into your presence, that we should do it with an expectation that you desire to speak. God, I thank you that you are in the business of transforming our hearts, renewing our minds, refreshing our souls. And I pray that that is true on tonight, God. God, I thank you for calling us together as the body, the ecclesia, God, together on tonight. God, I'm excited. I'm fired up for what you're doing in our midst, God. And I just ask right now, God, that you would speak with clarity. Your words, not mine. Your will, not ours. Your thoughts, not ours. Your desires, not ours. Your perspective, oh God, and not our own. God, we're grateful. God, I thank you for stirring our hearts towards you. I thank you that you care so much about us, that you allow us to come before you with our questions and our doubts and our fears and our frustrations. When we feel overwhelmed, we can run to the rock that's higher than we are. When anxiety is great within us, your consolation is the thing that gives us peace. And so, God, I pray for every single one of us that whatever may be attempting to draw us away from you, God, that you would. Take hold of each and every one of our hearts. Renew us, refresh us this day and in this moment. Speak now through your word, God. We have ears to hear and hearts to receive your sacred truth. I pray all these things in Jesus name. And everybody in agreement said, amen. 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 I don't know about you, but I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for what God has done, what God is doing and the greater part that he's yet to do. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me to first Kings chapter three, we're going to be in first Kings chapter three tonight. A familiar passage to most, I would assume, but I don't want to make assumptions. You know what they say when you make assumptions. But I believe that God wants to speak to us afresh tonight through this passage, through where we are, through the circumstances and the situations of our own lives. I believe that there are some prayers that people in this place have been praying and you've been waiting and you've been faithful and you're like, God, I just need clarity. And it's my prayer that we all get clarity from the Lord on tonight. 
Is everybody in First Kings 3? Everybody there? Amen. Well, let's begin. Beginning in verse 1, Scripture says, Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing at the high places, however, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. Verse three says Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon. Everybody say Gibeon. Gibeon. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there for that was that great high place. And Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar at Gibeon. Everybody say Gibeon. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O oh Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although everybody say, although, although. I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this, your great people. Verse 10 said it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked both riches and honor so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father, David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Verse 15 says, and Solomon awoke and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. Lord, it is my heartfelt prayer that these 15 verses will blow up our hearts and our minds tonight. God, give each and every one of us revelation knowledge even if we've heard this passage, read this passage, taught this passage thousand times before, make it afresh on tonight. God, speak to us through your word. We trust you and we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. So here's the question. What do you want? 
What do you want? What do you want? If I give my children a choice and ask them that simple question, they would likely default probably to some type of sour gummy candy over any nutritious meal that they should have. Right. What do you want? If I ask somebody in a moment of desperation, what do they want? Their immediate answer might be like relief from my current circumstance and situation. But we have this story of Solomon having this dream and being approached by God. And God says to him, ask what you want. We have to think so desperately. If the Lord appeared to us right now and asked us that very question, would we be prepared to answer it in an honest and God honoring and glorifying way? Or would we default to selfish ambition and gain and things that would merely benefit us? So for the time that we have left, I want us to think about this question. What do you want? Genuinely, what is it that you desire? It starts off by telling us that Solomon made this marriage alliance. Everybody say partnership. Now, if you're taking notes, you can write down partnership. That's the first thing that I want us to see in this story. It says that Solomon made this marriage alliance with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He entered into partnership. Pharaoh gives Solomon his daughter in marriage and they establish this partnership. Because from the very beginning of the book, we see early on in Genesis, it tells us that it is not good for man to be alone. And it's not about having a boo thing. It's not about, you know, necessarily relationship. It's just that we are not wired in our core to live in isolation. We are built for partnership. We're built for relationship. We're built for community because we all have a longing for belonging. We all have a longing to be a part of something greater in ourselves. And so Solomon starts from this place by making this alliance with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, because partnership is critical. The greatest partnership that we can ever enter into here on earth is, of course, the one that we say I do to. And that's a huge one. I don't want to downplay that one. That has broken many brothers down when they get that one wrong. (laughs) But it's critical that we understand the importance of partnership, even beyond the marriage relationship. There are partners that God has called us to walk alongside. So we have to understand the importance of partnership. And that's where Solomon starts before he can even step into this place of having this encounter with God. It starts off by having this partnership, this understanding that we are not meant to do life alone. And so it goes on and says he took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He brings her into the city of David until he had finished building a few things. Says he built his house. The house of the Lord, the wall around Jerusalem, because he not only understood the power of partnership, but he understood that there's priority of things that need to happen. He had to step into these things. And it says that the people were sacrificing at the high places because no one had yet built a house for the name of the Lord. So he enters into this. My mind goes to Nehemiah for a moment. And I think about Nehemiah's experience when he heard about the state of the place where he was from with the broken down walls. And he's like, why has nobody stepped into this and done this? And it's an issue of priority. And these walls have been broken down for years and years and years. And then Nehemiah steps in and brings partnership together and they work and they rebuild these walls in 52 days. And it was just a priority. Some things people had seen it. 
But it wasn't really an issue for them. People had probably passed by those broken down walls time and time and time again, but they saw it not as a priority. And so Matthew tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. But we have to have proper priority. It's about partnership. It's about priority. And then I love it says Solomon loved the Lord. I don't know for some reason when I'm reading that, all I hear is Whitney Houston. I love the Lord. I know. I know I can't say I just hear Solomon loving the Lord. Rest in peace, Whitney. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father. His daddy set an example for him. He gave him a path. He marked out a trail for him. Solomon loved the Lord because of his father. He had the partnership thing. He had the priority thing. Then it starts to talk about Gibeon. He went to Gibeon to sacrifice there for that was the great high place. This place, Gibeon, I just want to park here for a second because it's not just an average, ordinary place. The word Gibeon literally means hill city or place on the hill. Now, I want us to look. Let's flip to Joshua 10 for a second. Just flip back a couple of chapters. I want us to look at Joshua 10 for a moment because Gibeon is not merely the setting of this story. But there's something else that's pretty significant that happened in Gibeon just a little while prior. In Joshua 10, at the very first verse, it says, as soon as Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and had devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai and its kings as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. He feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities. And because it was greater than Ai and all its men were warriors. So Adonazedic, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, to Piram, king of Jarmuth, to Japhia, king of Lachish, and to Deber, king of Eglon, saying, come up to me and help me. And let us strike Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered their forces and went up with all their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal, place of rolling back, saying, do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us for all the king of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal, and the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Haran and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. And as they fled before Israel while they were going down the ascent of Beth Haran, the Lord drew down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, son, stand still at Gibeon. 
And this is the place where we find Solomon at Gibeon. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And so I love Solomon's response. He doesn't just jump into his request. He doesn't say, you know what, Lord, I've been waiting on you to ask me that. But he pulls back for a second and said, God, before I make any requests for you, I want you to understand that I have proper perspective, that I realize that my response to this doesn't just impact me, but impacts everybody that will come after me. And it'll either honor or dishonor those who have come before me. So he said, God, before I respond to your question, if you will, I just want to say this, that you've shown great and steadfast love to your servant, David, my father. God, thank you for looking out for my daddy. Thank you for raising him up to be the man that you've called him to be. I thank you for that steadfast love because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart. And you've kept for him this great and steadfast love. Solomon has a perspective that, (laughs) God, you're awesome. And I know you're awesome because I've seen it through my daddy. I've seen your faithfulness. I've seen your righteousness. I've seen the way that he walked in uprightness of heart. In other words, we would call that integrity. Always doing the right thing. I saw it in my daddy. He had his flaws. But God, I learned about that from my daddy. And it's just this perspective that Solomon has that. At the end of it, God, your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. They are far higher. So, God, before I request anything, I just want to say thank you because I want you to know that I have a perspective and I see what you're doing. I don't fully understand it, but I've got perspective. I've got enough sense that I wasn't the first person here. And you showed your love to my daddy, David. And now you made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I'm a little child. God, I don't know why you chose me. I don't know why I'm in this position, but I got sense enough to say thank you because you love my father and because you're showing yourself faithful to me. And I've got this perspective and I understand that this is something that's bigger than me. So now we get to talking, God, you know, your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. A great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. God, it's about your people. It's about your purpose. It's about your desires. I just want to do my best to be faithful to serve those people. God, give me strength and grace for today to serve the people that you have called me to serve. Because ultimately, God, it's about your people. Everybody say your people. God always gives each and every one of us a people. We don't necessarily always understand it or view it like that, but you might find yourself in circumstances and situations. You might ask this question, God, I don't know why I always find myself in conversations with fill in the blank. God, it doesn't make sense to me that I'm always the one to do such and such because God has given you a specific type of people. He's called you to minister, to love, to care for his people. And so he says, God, these are your people. Now to my request, give your servant an understanding mind that I may govern your people to discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this great people. That's a rhetorical question, but he's saying, God, if I'm going to ask anything, let me ask you this. Give me wisdom. Give me discernment. 
Give me courage. Give me strength. Give me boldness. Give me everything that I need to lead your people to discern what is good and what is evil. He understood partnership, priority, perspective. He understood the importance of place that this happened at Gibeon. It could have happened anywhere. He understood that it involved people, but he also understood that there was a particularness. I know that don't work, but specificity doesn't go with the peas. There was a particularness. It is a word. But he says you you have not because you ask not. And he says, God, I want to lead these people well. I want to be faithful to the assignment that you have given me, God. I do not want to lose sight of your perspective. I do not want to lose sight of your priority. I don't want to lose sight of the people that you've given me in the places that you've given me. God, help me to be particular in my request. And it said it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. I think there was a little bit of pride in God, a healthy pride to say, all right, son, you get it. You get it. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you asked this and haven't been selfish to think about long life and riches or even the life of your enemies. But you've asked to understand, to discern what is right. I'm going to do exactly what you asked me because you were particular and because you were not selfish. I'm going to do exactly what you asked me. Not only that, but I'm going to give you stuff that you didn't even ask me for. A wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. Solomon, your name, you about to be in the big lights. And I love it because you're not asking for selfish motivation. You're not asking for selfish reason. And I'm going to honor that. I'm going to give you also what you've not asked riches and honor so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk, if you walk. Notice the condition of that. If you walk in my ways, Solomon had a choice. He saw the faithfulness of his father, David. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, then I will lengthen your days. Notice the last verse. And Solomon awoke and behold, it was a dream. I started off thinking Whitney Houston singing Solomon loved the Lord. When I get to this part, for some reason, I just think of Biggie. It was all a dream. Solomon woke up and behold, it was a dream. But notice his response to it. It says, then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings. And he made a feast for all of his servants. I want us to notice that his response was to utilize his provision to be able to bless other people. And so my encouragement for all of us is we're in this season and we have this opportunity to say, God, I don't know exactly what you're doing, but what I do know is that every day I can pray to have the right partners in my life, the right men and women that you've called alongside of me, the right perspective to be able to see things in a way that I'm not able to see them, to be able to prioritize the things that matter most to God first, to understand that everything happens in a place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Because everything has to happen in a place. We should never minimize the place. We have to understand that God has given us a people. It could be our family. It could be people in the uttermost parts of the world. But God gives us all a people. For me right now, one of my favorite things that I get to do 
I serve as a dean of students for a middle school and a high school. I get to impact the next generation every single day. And that's great. That's wonderful. I get to teach Bible. I get to interact with them. I get to build culture and community and do all these things. But I get just as much excitement, if not more, on a baseball field six days a week, teaching these young men a sport that I love and helping them understand the importance of teamwork and humility and how to respond back and bounce back from failure because God gives all of us a people. Think about the people that you find yourself around. And you might be like, oh, that's my people. We all have people. We all have a particularness. And then we all need to ask God, how can we utilize? How can we leverage the provision that you've given us? No matter how great or no matter how small, how can we use those things ultimately for his glory? So I leave you guys with that question. What is it that you want? God, I thank you so much just for the refreshing of your spirit. I thank you for the clarity of your word, God, even in my inadequacies. God, I pray that your word would be clear. That you would help to unlock and maybe recalibrate and refocus some things for us that we need to do differently. God, I pray for a renewed perspective that if we've tilted towards negativity, God, I pray that you would give us hearts of gratitude to realize all that we truly have to be grateful for. God, if we've drifted a little bit away, I thank you for the nudge of your spirit to draw us back. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to perceive what it is that you're doing around us. God, awaken our souls. Revive dead and dormant dreams in this place where discouragement has taken over. God, I pray for a freshness of your wind, a freshness of your anointing, a freshness and an abundance of your outpouring of your oil. Let it flow freely among us, God. Everything that you've given us, God, I pray that you would help us to prioritize Give us renewed perspective. Connect us with the right partnerships in the right places with the right people in a particular way. With the provision that you've given us. God, so if we are ever in that space where you ask us, what is it that you want, Lisa? What is it that you want, Joseph? What is it that you want, Cameron? What is it that you want, Nathaniel? What is it that you want, that we can pray not in our own will, but we can pray that yours would be done. God, I thank you for the preciousness of every son and every daughter that's in this place. God, I know there's a swell of things happening in us and around us. But God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for the ways that you've shown us your righteousness. I thank you for the ways that you continue to give opportunities to show your character and your uprightness of heart. God, I thank you for the Gibeons in our lives. For those high places that we can go to and sacrifice. Thank you for this moment tonight, God. I pray that it'd be pivotal and critical to unlock something in each and every one of us 
We're grateful for this moment. And we love you in Jesus' name. And everyone in agreement said, amen. Amen. God bless you, Art. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, What Do You Want? by Jason Thomas. This message is number 6617 at 6617. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 6617 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.